1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 16, the Apostle Paul writes, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, this is different from 1 Corinthians 6, 19, when he says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? When he, when he writes here in chapter 3, verse 16, that is a plural ye. He is talking about you, the church. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. 1 Kings chapter 5, verse number 17. This is in the building of the temple and this king that it's talking about is King Solomon and it says, And the king commanded, and they brought great stones, costly stones, huge stones, to lay the foundation of the house. Young's literal translation states it this way, And the king commandeth, and they bring great stones, precious stones, to lay the foundation of the house, hewn stones. He said, I want you to bring some great stones, some precious stones, some hewn stones to build this temple. For a little while this morning, if you will allow me, I would like to preach to you this thought, precious stones. Let's close our eyes and lift our hands and ask God to talk to us. God, I love you. God, your word is powerful. I'm asking you this day that you will take away every thought that that is born out of human wisdom or out of my own mind, but you allow me to speak exactly what you want spoken. Let me speak by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you'll continue to minister in this atmosphere, that you'll minister to individuals, that you will loose your healing and your help and your, your health and your direction to this church and to individuals in general. And we'll thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing so long this morning. Thank you, Brother John, for a powerful word today. Uh, it was powerful, so thank you for sharing that with us. My brother and I tore down a house one time, Brother Pat. Uh, the, the woman that we were working for was, to say the least, eccentric. Is that the nice way to say somebody's nuts? But it was a house that was on our farm, and uh, it, was, it was built in the 1800s, and it had fallen into disrepair, but she had purchased it uh, for the scrap lumber. It was made basically of chestnut lumber, uh, which is kind of hard to find nowadays. And uh, so we would tear it apart, and, and we, we put the good wood in one pile, and the wood that was rotten or had too many nails in it to deal with, whatever. We, we threw it in a pile to be burned later. And uh, I, I had taken this board. I don't know where it came from, but it was about eight inches long, one by six board. And uh, I was about to pitch it over into the burn pile because it was just this little board. And she stopped me and said, oh, no, we have to save that. That board is precious. And that has become an inside joke between me and my wife uh, since then. Oh, it's precious. That's precious. Well, I don't really think that that one by six piece of uh, uh, chestnut lumber was precious. But those stones that Solomon ordered the temple to be built of, those were 
indeed precious stones. They were hewed in a quarry somewhere and then they were hauled into place and, and they were placed there to be part of the temple of God. The Bible even says that uh, those stones, they were hewed perfectly so that whenever the, the temple was in building that they didn't have to get a hammer out, they didn't have to uh, get an axe or a saw or a chisel or anything. Brother Pat, those stones were perfectly fitted already and they just placed them in place. Now I don't know any, if there's any builders uh, in the house this morning, uh, but uh, whenever I build something, it usually doesn't work that way. Uh, can anybody identify when you, when you build something, bro, you got to get the adjuster out a little bit and, uh, and make that thing fit. But that's not how the temple was built. And so we'll get back to talking about that Old Testament temple in just a little bit. But I think it's interesting if we just step back and think about all of the references to stones that are uh, in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Jesus talked to us and he said that if a man will hear my word and do it, he is like unto a man that has built a house and has digged down to the rock and set his house on a solid rock. And so whenever the storms come and the winds blow, that house will be on a firm foundation. So the word is like a rock. Are you glad that you have a word that you can build your life on so that no matter what comes against us, we are on a firm foundation. I could preach on that for a little while. We don't need to build our lives on the opinions of psychologists and authors. We don't need to build our lives on public opinion. We don't need to build our lives on what's popular. We need to build our lives on the Word of God because the Word of God is a rock. He said "My hey, heaven and earth is going to pass away but my words shall never pass away. Amen. Are you glad for the Word of God? Hey, I'm glad for the word. Hey, that word. Uh, they would go on, they would talk about, uh, Paul makes reference to the rock that followed them in the wilderness. And I researched that a little bit this week that uh, you may remember in the Old Testament whenever they needed water, they were in the middle of a desert in a wilderness that there was no water and Moses was able to speak to a rock and water came out of that rock. And uh, then Paul refers to it and he says that was a rock that followed them in the wilderness. No matter where they went, there was always a supply of water that came from that rock. Are you glad that Jesus is our rock and no matter where we go, we've got a supply of water, living water. He said, if any man believe on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He is that fountain that never runs dry. So Jesus is referred to as a rock in that way. Peter is called a rock. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against That's it. That's right. How many know that Jesus said, I will build my church? Jesus is the church builder. And he said, upon this rock. Now we can debate about what that rock is, but I think that that what the rock is that Jesus says I'm going to build my church on is the revelation of who Jesus is. 
He says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so Jesus is the rock at Revelation. But Peter is also a rock. The word Peter, the name Peter, means a rock. So Jesus is the church builder. And uh, I would like to throw a little monkey wrench maybe into your thinking. Maybe uh, be just a teensy bit controversial this morning, although I don't think it's all that controversial. Jesus, it says, what was his occupation? You read the King James Version Bible and it says, Jesus was the son of Mary. He was a carpenter. Another place it says that, uh, talking about Joseph, it says that Jesus was the carpenter's son. Uh, but if you begin to think about it that a little bit, you will realize that there weren't a whole lot of trees in that area. Of, there are not a whole lot of trees in that area of the world. There's not a lot of lumber in that area of the world. In fact, when Solomon was going to build his house and whenever he was going to, uh, he, he, the interior of the temple was made of cedar, he had to import that wood from Tyre. That, that wood had to be shipped in. There just is not a lot of trees in the area uh, of Jerusalem and uh, Nazareth. And so many scholars believe that Jesus was not indeed a carpenter, but he was probably a stonemason. The word carpenter in the King James actually means uh, just a skilled craftsman. So historical evidence implies that he was probably a stonemason. Now, that should make light bulbs click on in your head when you begin to think about all of the references to stones that there are in the Bible. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, he says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And ye are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He says, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. That's right. Amen. Let me, let me just expound on that for a moment. A cornerstone sets the direction of the building. That's that right. cornerstone has to be in exactly the right place, and then everything else is aligned from that cornerstone. That's why we, we sing that song, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus needs to be that thing that sets the direction of our lives. It sets the boundaries of our, Jesus is our chief cornerstone and we build upon Him. Everything we do should be based upon Jesus. And, and so He is the chief cornerstone. The apostles and prophets being uh, in the foundation as well. But then in 1 Peter 2.5, Peter writes, And ye also... As lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So what I want to preach to you today is that we are stones. In fact, we are, according to Solomon, we are precious stones and we are living stones. Now, oh, now I, I, I just meddle a little bit. Let's not worship like stones, but we can be lively stones. Jesus said, hey, if they don't praise me, I can raise up rocks to give me praise. Hey, we can just, you know what? I'm not a dead stone. I'm a lively stone. I'm a living stone. He said we are built up a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices unto, hey, David said, I, I will just, I'll come into the house of God and I will offer up sacrifices of joy. We had to offer up some sacrifices of joy unto the Most High God. Clap your hands unto the Lord if you believe that today. 
So we are stones. The stones of the temple in Solomon's day. Uh, it was these stones that Jesus' disciples pointed out as uh, Jesus went out of the temple in Mark chapter 13. He says, uh, one of the disciples says unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. The New Living Translation says, Teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones in the walls. Those impressive stones in the wall of the temple. And Solomon said, I want you to bring precious stones, hewn stones, and great stones. He said, don't bring me just any stone. Now I want you to look at your neighbor tell him, he's talking about us. He's talking about you. You are a stone. Solomon said, bring precious stones. Bring great stones. Don't bring just any stone. I want you to bring special stones. And so I want to preach to you a little bit about great, costly, and hewn stones that you're sitting on uh, pews beside today. The word great, it just means great in any sense. The word costly, of course, means valuable. And hewed means to be cut or taken out uh, of the rock. And so I want you to understand Understand that each person in the church is great. See, now that's a one opportunity to shout on yourself. <laughs> he didn't say bring just average stones. He said bring great stones. The king handpicked, well he didn't, he didn't handpick, but he gave some instruction. He said, I want you to bring great stones. I want you to bring some awesome stones. I want you to bring the best stones that you have to build this temple out of. Do you know that when you came to God, that you were chosen? You are a chosen generation. A royal... I'm telling you, he had a choice. And he chose you. Hey... You're great. When you're baptized into the body of Christ, when you're born again, it's an entrance into the kingdom of God. And uh, Jesus said this. He said, John the Baptist, there's not been a woman, or there's not been a man born of woman greater than John the Baptist, but he that is in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. He said, he that is least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. That's talking about you. That's talking about individuals in this church. That's talking about anybody that's been born of the water and of the Spirit. Jesus said, John the Baptist, he's the greatest preacher to ever live. But you are greater than John the Baptist. I know we got a lot of trouble trying to swallow that, but it is what the Word of God said. The people of God are referred to as saints. Those are sacred and regarded with great respect and reverence. You know what? You're rubbing elbows today with great people. When, when you walk out of this sanctuary today and you bump elbows and say goodbye, just understand, you are bumping elbows with somebody that the Bible says is great. Amen. Oh. Amen. How, how excited would we be, Brother Pat, if John the Baptist showed up and we got to hang out with John the Baptist? Oh, John, tell me a little bit about your preaching. Tell me a little bit about what was... Tell me about some stuff. John, hey, I'm telling you what, you're sitting beside somebody that Jesus said is greater than John the Baptist. Why don't you give yourselves a hand clap today? Because each person in the church is great. He said, bring great stones. And he also said, bring precious or valuable stones. You are of great value today. Every person under the sound of my voice, whether you're here in person or watching on the web, webcast, I want you to understand that you are valuable. You can determine value by what you're willing to trade. 
And Jesus said, what would it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What he was saying was, if you could trade your soul for the entire world. And I looked it up one time, what the net worth of the world was. And it was something like you know, 90 quadrillion dollars or something crazy like that. It had 17 zeros or something. He said, that, that's the worth of the world. But Jesus said, your soul is worth more than the entire world. You're precious in the eyes of God. One thing that determines value is how much somebody is willing to pay for uh, something. And I, I understand that in the last few months, toilet paper got really valuable. <laughs> who would have thought in 2020? Brother Pat, in 1980, who would have said, you know what, in 40 years there's going to be a toilet paper shortage? People are going to ransack the stores. It's going to be sold out for weeks and months. We've come a long way as a society, haven't we? But some people were willing to pay a good amount uh, for toilet paper and hand sanitizer and Lysol wipes and, and those kind of things. Value is based on what someone is willing to pay, uh, the price that someone is willing to pay. And in 1 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 18, he writes and says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed, or you weren't purchased with corruptible things, such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, you That's were right. Purchased with the precious, that's what he was willing to pay for you was his own blood. The most precious substance ever to flow on planet earth was the blood of Christ, and that was the price that Jesus paid for you. Hey, can I tell you something? Whenever uh, he was buried, the Bible says that he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Why do you borrow something? Well, because you're only going to use it for three days. You don't need it for very long. But he bought you because he wanted to be your permanent inhabitant. He wanted you to be a permanent yes. Hey, there's a reason that when... When Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, he didn't say you're the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. He said you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Because that tabernacle in the Old Testament, it moved. And, and, and God would tabernacle there and then they would get up and they would move. There was never a permanent location. But when the temple was built, it says they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple and they drew out the staves thereof. Symbolic of saying this Ark is not going to go anywhere ever again. And Jesus tells us that we... We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. In other words, we are not a transient location where God moves every now and then, but we are the location where He has chosen to live permanently. Hey, He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He said, upon this rock shall I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He has chosen this church as a permanent dwelling place. Hallelujah. And so he says, I want you to find great stones and I want you to find precious stones. And he also says, bring hewn stones. 
And that word hewn, it means chosen or cut to fit. And every person in the church has been chosen and cut to fit perfectly. First Peter 2 and 22, I already quoted this scripture, but he says, As newborn babes desire you the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if so be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom as coming unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He said, you are chosen of God and precious, and you are a chosen generation. Jesus said this, if you were in the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. He said, I chose you out of the world. Oh, I want you to just kind of picture and think back about, about the building of that temple. It was going to be the most magnificent edifice ever erected on planet earth. It was going to be a temple to the most high God, the only one true and living God. Yeah. And so everything down to the finest detail had to be perfect and they went through and they chose perfect stones. That's who I'm preaching to today is stones that God chose. In fact, let me tell you this, Ephesians 1 and 4, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Even before the worlds were formed, God knew us in His mind and chose us. Amen. That's exactly right. Here's what we run into. I'm going to take my jacket. Here's what we run into, is we have trouble believing this. We have trouble believing this because we know us. I know me and you know you and, and you know, you know the, the, the flaws and the problems and the hang-ups and, and the, the sins and all kinds of stuff that we deal with, the struggles that we as individuals deal with. We know that we're not perfect, but it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what he thinks. And he says, you're precious stones. He says, you're valuable. Oh, I wish you'd get a hold of this. I want you to get a hold of this today and understand that God sees us as precious and God sees us as great and God sees us as valuable. And he chose us to build his house out of. So He chose us, but He also has hewn us. I mentioned it already, but in 1 Kings 6 and 7 it says, The house, when it was building, was built of stone made ready before it was brought thither. And so there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard when it was building. But this is what it says in the New Testament about uh, this building. It says, You are now therefore no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of God and, the, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple of the Lord. Fitly framed. Fitly framed, it means to render close jointed together. Has anybody in this place ever put up trim? They ever put up trim? Okay. Is anybody good at putting up trim? Anybody in this place good? No? Brother Pat, I can bang some walls together. I can do some frame carpentry. 
because you don't have to be real tedious about that. You know, it's going to be covered up with sheetrock anyway. I'm not, I'm not a sheetrock guy. Somebody else who's got more skills, the sheetrock guy. But trim, I was, we were hanging a door in the church in Lewisburg the other day, and, and uh, we had to, had to build our own trim, and the guy that, I was, that, that is helping us with it, he was cutting the trim, and, and Brother Charlie, he would cut that trim at a 45-degree angle and, and put it up, and then, then he'd bring it back to the saw, and he would take off just a tiny, tiny amount until all the ridges in the trim, when it came together, they matched up perfectly. Now, if I, if I was going to do that, I would need a tube of caulk. You know? Got an amen over here on the uh, front row. <laughs> you know, that's good enough. Shoot some nails in it, it'll be fine. But this guy, he's meticulous and he, he got it just exactly right and fits together and and sister Linda you can't even hardly tell that there's a seam there because it's just so fitly framed and that's how God assembles his church we are fitly framed together exact hey each stone is cut and chosen exactly according to the builder's desire so that we fit together and our voids make up for or our 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 our, uh, our abundance makes up for other people's voids and 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 our voids are filled by other people's abundance and we fit together perfectly according to the building of a master Builder. I'm telling you, he wasn't a carpenter. He was a stonemason and he still shapes stones today. And we are builded up as a temple of God through the Spirit. We are an habitation of God through the Spirit. I want you to understand two things. First of all is this, that every individual is vital. Not just important. Every individual is vital. Imagine a stone wall that's missing a stone. It's not as strong as it should be. It cannot uh, defend the elements the way that it should. It is going to be compromised. It's compromised in a number of ways if just one stone is missing. You are vital to the church of the living God. There's no if, ands, buts, or maybes. That's right. I want us to walk out of here loving each other and knowing how important every individual in this place is and not just in this place. Every person that calls Glen Ferris Apostolic Church their home, you are important. If you're watching by way of the webcam today, I want you to know you are important. You are vital to the church because the church can't be everything God intends it to be if there are pieces missing. And so we are to be builded together as a habitation of God through the Spirit. Somebody say, through the Spirit. We are united through the Spirit. Togetherness is important. And I'm going to close. Why don't we just stand to our feet? Togetherness is important. But we are not united because we get together. Let me, let me, I I, I got a whole message on togetherness. And I'm not going to preach it today. 
But I can preach for an hour about the importance of being physically to being together in the same place. On the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord in one place. I get it. That's important. But we are not united in one body just because we are physically together. We are united in one body through the Spirit. By one Spirit are ye all baptized into one body. He goes on. That's in Ephesians, I think, maybe chapter 2. He is talking about being united in one body. It's It's the oneness chapter. One body by the Spirit. We are not united primarily by physical proximity. It is by the Spirit. And there is something supernatural that happens when we are baptized in the Spirit. Brother John, there's something that happens. And and all of a sudden, I am not my own anymore. I become part of something greater. When God filled you with His Spirit and made you part of the temple of God, you became more than just Charlie Goodyear, and you became more. You became more than just an individual. You became part of the house of God. He said, "You are God's building. I'm not my building. You're God's building, and we are unified by the Spirit." I want to read one more verse to you. If Sister Judy will put it up very quickly, Ephesians chapter four, verse three, the apostle tells us this: endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace endeavoring, making effort, being prompt, being earnest toward, endeavoring to protect and to keep the unity of the Spirit. Oh, God. See, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, and to some extent, we are scattered. But the Holy Ghost isn't limited. The God that lives in us is not limited by physical proximity. He's not limited by location. David said, I could take up the wings of of an eagle and I could fly to the uttermost parts of the earth and lo, thou art there. I can make my bed in hell and and lo, thou art with me because God is everywhere. And I am not downplaying at all the necessity that we do need to assemble together. But what I am saying to you here today and to those that are watching by way of the webcast is that we are united by the Spirit of God. It is a supernatural natural process by which God makes us out of many one body. Will you lift your hands for just a moment and try to receive that today? God, you have made us into one body. Out of many, you have assembled us and made us one body by the power of your Spirit. And so if you will trust me for just a moment, we're going to do something that's a little bit different and certainly that I've never done before. If we were in a normal church service under normal conditions, what I would have us do is we would make a a ring around this sanctuary and all of us would join hands in unison and we begin to pray together because of the importance of unity. But we're not going to do that today. Here's what I'd like for you to do, if you will. We are going to make a ring around this sanctuary, but if you would please put your masks on Now, don't worry about looking silly because everybody should have their eyes closed and pray in here in just a moment. But we're going to to mask up here for just a little bit. And I want us to make us a circle around this sanctuary. We're going to join together. We're not going to hold hands, but we're going to join together. We're going to try to maintain social distancing. But if you'll just find a, 
find a place around this sanctuary. I want us to join together in unity. And I want the folks that are here watching on the webcast to go ahead and join with us. Because it's not about just what goes on in this building. It is about something supernatural. Jesus, I'm not going to tell you that I understand everything. I certainly do not. But I do know that there is something that we can tap into in the Spirit that unifies us, that goes beyond location. In fact, it goes beyond culture. It goes beyond color. It goes beyond political persuasion. It doesn't matter what any of those things are. We are joined together by the power of the Spirit. I want us right now to begin to pray, God, unite us to Your Spirit. There may be some that have felt like you're on the fringes, some that have felt like you've been disconnected from the church. I want you to reach out right now because there's a unity in the Spirit that we can get a hold of, that we can be unified by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's right, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you will knit us together. I pray that you will join us together. I'm asking you today, Father, that you will move on every heart and that you will bind us together by your Spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 